0: A few years ago, I started teaching monthly group classes in my studio. The idea was to include more opportunities for informal performance, observation, musical discussion, and developing musicianship skills in a supportive group environment. All students are always invited and encouraged to play something each time, even if it's just part of a piece. This gives us an opportunity to show works in progress, talk about practicing, learning processes, challenges and rewards, and give feedback, both positive and constructive. I also plan a few musical games and activities each time that are related to listening, movement, creative musicianship, and composition, things that we can't really do in our one-on-one lessons. This year, I had planned to teach five studio classes specifically for my third to sixth grade students, two studio classes for my seventh to twelfth graders, and monthly buddy lessons for my K to 2nd grade students. But what to do when the world shuts down and everything moves online? Host a Zoom studio class, of course. Earlier this month, I taught two studio classes, one for 3rd to 6th grade and one for 7th to 12th grade, and two buddy lessons for K to 2nd grade. Today, I'm sharing my best advice, seven tips for success when teaching virtual studio classes or group classes, plus a behind-the-scenes look at how I set these up, how I structured our time together, and the activities that I created to play virtually. Also, be sure to grab my free Google Slides templates with seven ready-to-use games for your online group classes. I'll include a link in the show notes. I'm Ashley Danu, and you're listening to Field Notes on Music Teaching and Learning. Writing Field Notes is a way of documenting and processing what we see in the world. This podcast is a collection of creative ideas, practical strategies, and thoughtful observations from the field of music teaching and learning. Here you'll find creative and pedagogically sound teaching tips, fresh new approaches you can use in your ministry and teaching, and insight into a few tried and true systems and creative processes designed to help you do your best work. Let's get started. Tip number one, choose a platform that works for you and your students. Think about what kinds of activities you want to include in your classes and choose a platform that will support that. Also, consider using something that is user friendly and ideally something that your students are already familiar with. I've been using Zoom and FaceTime for my online lessons so far, so when it came time to plan for group classes, I went with Zoom. I found the audio and video quality to be a little better than FaceTime and a little bit more consistent, and the ability to share my screen gave us the opportunity to play virtual games together. Do be aware that Zoom has a meeting limit of 40 minutes for groups of more than just two people, you and someone else. This wasn't an issue for my 30-minute buddy lessons, but for my 45 and 60-minute classes, I did borrow my husband's professional Zoom account, which has no limits, and created meeting links to share with parents from there. I've heard great things about Google Meet, especially for smaller groups of three to four students, so that might work for you if you're looking for a non-Zoom option. I taught the classes from my piano at home, where I've been teaching online lessons the past few weeks. I have a music stand to hold my computer, my iPad for scores and games, my iPhone for apps like Decide Now. I use this to determine the order in which students will play. When they first enter the room, we do this in person, and so this is a nice way to carry that over into the online space. And I also have my favorite external microphone, the Blue Yeti. I'll link to those in the show notes in case you're curious. Tip number two, plan your time wisely. Like you would for an in-person class, think about how you wanna spend your time together. For instance, when we meet in person, we typically start with performances. I ask each student to prepare one piece or part of a piece to share with the group. And then sometimes, depending on time, we'll give comments, observations, compliments, constructive feedback. I allotted five minutes for each performance in our virtual classes and we gave very minimal observations and compliments after each performance. After everyone has had a chance to play, we usually transition to a few musical games. Now generally, I try to choose activities that foster the development of aural skills, rhythmic reading, listening, musical creativity, and music writing. Inspired by a webinar hosted by the Francis Clark Center a few weeks ago, I created several aural skills games, flashcard sets, and listening activities using Google Slides and a free set of music notation symbol images like a staff, clefs, and note heads, and things like that from Victoria Bowler. Here are some of the games I created Round Robin Scale Review. I was trying to think of a creative way to review scales together since that's something that we're focusing on in the studio right now. For my 7th to 12th graders, I thought it might be fun to use an image of a keyboard and have them annotate on the screen the notes of different scales that they've been working on. But rather than having them take turns notating an entire scale while everyone else just watched, I wanted to find a way for all of them to be involved and participate the whole time. So I came up with a round robin style game where I name a scale and then we go around the room adding notes to the visual keyboard one at a time. For instance, for the key of e flat major, the first student will mark e flat on the keyboard, the second student marks F, the third student marks G, etc. This way, everyone has to be actively engaged and thinking ahead. When the scale is complete, they can double-check their work by playing it on their pianos. For younger students, I recommend having everyone play along on their pianos at home while muted, and then call on different children to name the next note in the scale. You could use this same activity to review chords, intervals, arpeggios. For my younger students, I used the stamp tool in Zoom, which is under annotation, to mark a specific key on a keyboard, and then I asked one student to name the note and the other to play it on their piano, and then we would switch roles. After a few turns of doing it this way, I started marking two notes on the keyboard, and had one student name both notes and the other play both on their piano. And it was their choice if they wanted to play them blocked or broken. This is a great way to prepare, introduce or reinforce intervals. Another game we played was something called Box Rhythms. This is basically a rhythmic dictation game. So I would chant a four beat rhythm pattern and then students had to decide together how to notate the pattern that they heard. So on the screen, they see four gray boxes and then kind of a collection of stick notation down in the corner that I would drag into place and then we would all clap and chant the rhythm together to check it and see if it matched up with what I had done. Now, depending on the age of your students, you could also let them take turns creating their own four beat pattern to chant for the rest of the group. We did this activity after doing the rhythm flashcards that I created. That's included in the free Google Slides templates that I'm sharing in the show notes. So this was a super helpful way to review these rhythm patterns and how to count them before manipulating them and having to write them down. Another game we played was something called interval voting. This was a great way to review intervals orally. So I would play an interval on the piano and have students vote for the interval that they heard. If they have annotating tools enabled on their Zoom accounts and they're logged in, then they should be able to circle, stamp, or mark on the screen and everybody can see each other's votes. Then simply clear the drawings to start over with a new interval. I would recommend limiting annotation tools to your older classes. It worked better for my third to sixth grade class to simply write down their vote on a piece of paper and then just hold it up to the screen at the same time. At the end of this game, go around the virtual room and have each student play an interval on their pianos for others to identify. We did tonal dictation. To do this, I just had a treble staff on the screen with five colored circles or note heads. I identified the first note and then played a four note pattern on the piano, and I asked my 7th to 12th graders to work together to determine the pitches they heard. And again, just like doing the rhythm dictation after you've reviewed some rhythm flashcards, we did this activity after the interval voting game that I just described, which was a good segue. One more game was something I called This or That. It was a listening game that I created for my older elementary and middle school students, basically third graders and up. Each slide has two one-measure patterns on a grand staff. To create these, I added the flat.io add-on in Google Slides, which makes music notation a breeze. The patterns are different, but very similar, usually just one or two different notes between them. So I would choose one pattern from each slide to play on the piano and then ask students to decide together which one they heard. Was it this one or that one? Then we discussed how the two patterns are different. Was it a different rhythm? Was it a different interval? This is a great way to review intervals again, foster critical listening skills, and practice good score study habits. All of these games, plus a few more, are included in my Google Slides doc, and I'm giving you free access, so look for the link to that in the show notes. Tip number three, look for ways to keep everyone actively engaged. Though group classes may not be new for you, teaching them online probably is for most of us anyway. One question to keep in mind is, how can I keep everyone engaged and actively participating? A benefit to having everyone tuning in from their own homes is that everyone is sitting at the piano at the same time. Take advantage of this and encourage all students to play along on their pianos, muted of course. Whether you're working on a review piece, practicing a warm-up, reviewing an interval or scales, identifying notes on the staff, or reading tonal or rhythm patterns. This will keep everyone engaged and actively participating. Tip number four, enable or disable the annotation feature in advance. One of the reasons I chose Zoom for my studio classes was the ability to share my screen and have students use their annotation tools to mark their answers so we could interact with each other. If this is your plan, make sure that this setting is enabled in your account before you begin the meeting. This worked beautifully for my older 7th to 12th grade class and was a horrible disaster for my 3rd to 6th grade class. The annotations became quite the distraction and I had to spend more time than I would have liked asking students to only mark one answer or to wait until they were invited to mark on the screen. A quick solution for next time, Simply disable this setting ahead of time in your account so that you are the only one who can annotate on the screen. Log into your account from a web browser, click Settings, then In Meeting Basic, and scroll down to Annotation to toggle this on and off. Tip number five, take turns. One of the reasons for having a live virtual class is that students can not only see but connect with one another, right? We want to encourage them to collaborate and work together, give comments and encouragement, and hear each other's voices like we would do if we were together in person. However, for a group of younger students, more than two, I would say, consider keeping everyone muted unless they are the soloist or you're calling on them for an answer. Encourage your students to participate the whole time by following along with what you're doing, but take turns playing it out loud for everyone to hear or giving answers, demonstrating, performing, chanting, singing, naming, improvising, whatever it is that you're doing. This will require some quick muting and unmuting on your part, but the end result is a more streamlined and controlled group experience with fewer distractions and background noise. Plus, it allows all students to participate at all times, without the chaos of hearing everyone's pianos at once. You could even try having students take turns playing lines of a review piece that they all know. For example, one student plays the first line, another plays the second line, another plays the third line. Tip number six, use gallery view. This is a simple one, but make sure that your view is set to gallery view when you're not sharing your screen. That way you'll be able to see all of your students at the same time. The setting is in the upper right corner of your meeting screen. Students may find it beneficial to have it set to speaker view, however. This way, whoever is speaking or playing will come up as the primary video. Tip number seven, include an off-the-bench activity. In a normal in-person group class, we would not have students sit on the bench or in chairs the whole time, right? We'd have them do that for part of the time and then move to the floor or an open space where they could do a movement or listening activity or we'd have them do a rhythm game or an activity standing up. If you're working with younger students, it's especially important to include an off the bench activity or two, especially in longer classes. So think about a body movement exercise or a steady beat activity, a simple coloring project, or a game that they can play while sitting on the floor. One final tip, Make sure their camera is set up in such a way that you can still see them when they move off the bench. To recap, here are those seven tips once more. Number one, choose a platform that works for you and your students. Number two, plan your time wisely. Number three, look for ways to keep everyone actively engaged. Number four, enable or disable the annotation feature ahead of time. Number five, take turns. Number six, use gallery view. And number seven, include an off the bench activity. Are you teaching virtual studio or group classes right now? If so, what strategies have you found most helpful? What games or activities are you using to promote learning and musical development? Don't forget to hop over to the show notes and grab my free Google Slides templates. It's like 34 pages of rhythm and tonal flashcards and five different games that are geared towards virtual environments and online learning. So I hope that's helpful to you in your teaching in the next few weeks. Thanks so much for listening today. For written notes, related links, and more information on today's topic, visit ashleydanue.com slash fieldnotes. You can find me on Instagram at ashleydanue and at blog on Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much if you would leave a review in Apple Podcasts. This will help others discover this content in the future. Plus, I'd love to hear what you like about the series and if there's anything specific you'd like to hear more of in the future. Again, thanks so much for tuning in today. See you next time.